It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 3-1 win at Villa Park over Fulham of course 13 wins on the bounce for being in the top flight the top division I guess for some people that don't understand the top flight for Villa which is the first time in 40 years 37 goals being scored within that time frame of course part of that goes back to last season but um, making a long story short that means Villa are very very mint at home and fortress villa park is actually a thing so of course it's not just me here talking villa because i don't know if anyone wants to listen to me talk to myself we do have mr simon o'regan as always joining me too so simon how's it going for you not too bad i mean business as usual isn't it going to villa park these days it's uh it's, it's just brilliant being there at the moment like it's just you kind of you're going into the grounds every week now expecting to win and I mean, to be fair, like I, I knew one hundred percent for the fact that we were going to win today because the uh, the lucky charm that is my niece was in attendance today, so it was never in doubt. Is she still undefeated? Yep, I think that's now. I think it's ten wins and one draw, which was the uh, Man City draw when Gerard is in charge, which which I class as a win. <laughs> So can you do us a massive favor as Villa fans, of course, myself, for yourself yeah. and people listening, can she attend the City home game, the Arsenal home game, and also the Warsaw one? That would be very much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, I think the, unfortunately, the City and the Warsaw games are a bit too late for her, but she will be at the Arsenal game. So, you know, there's no need to worry about that one. Well, there we go. You know what? That's all that matters. And we can take more points onto the board and continue this ridiculous streak. I mean, Simon, we might as well talk about this as the first thing. It's just that stat. I mean, considering it's been 40 years and I mean, it's probably even longer for some clubs because it's something that's almost impossible to do in any division, let alone in, of course, the top flight. What do you make of this and kind of how do you feel about it going forward? Because I know we were kind of joking around pre-recording saying, oh, another typical win at home. But it, that's really the case. Like, I don't know how, as Villa fans, we go into these games so confidently now. But it's it's just a thing because the results are, it's a kind of a proof in the pudding kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is ridiculous, really, when you think about it. I mean, it, even if, if you were just saying that it was 13 unbeaten with you know, maybe say three, four, five draws in there. You'd say to do that in in the Premier League is like a ridiculously impressive thing to do. To have won 13 in a row, and, you know, that includes two wins over Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle, Tottenham. You know, there's, there's been some good teams that we've played in that run. It's, it's not all been, you know, likes of Luton or Sheffield United or whatever. Um it's just ridiculous. Like, I mean, I think probably out of all of them, there's only one game where it kind of was a close run thing. And that was the Crystal Palace game where you won down with 
two, three minutes ago. And we end up winning that one, three, one. You know, this the six home games this season, we've scored at least three goals in all six of them. Like that's that's what is the really, really impressive thing is it, you're not just winning these games at home, we're we're absolutely blowing teams away pretty much every, every single time. So I don't I don't really know how how it how it happens. I mean it's it's clearly you know the manager that we've got is is just something else and obviously the the next two home games in the league, Man City Arsenal, I think that might test the the resolve of, of this winning run. But I'm kind of I'm going into those games now. I won't be going into them expecting to win. I think we're definitely gonna win, but I I don't think we'll lose both of those games, put it that way. I'm not saying we'll you know necessarily win any of them, but I, I don't see us losing both of those games because it's just it, it's not just the feeling that sort of Villa fans and the players have with how the runs go in. But as an opposition player, even ones as good as the likes of City and Arsenal, you'll be going to that game thinking we we have to be at our absolute best to get something from this because these are just ridiculously good at home. So, no fingers crossed. It, if we can't necessarily win both of those games, it'll be amazing to kill, still keep that unbeaten one going. Well, that's that thing, too, with the gap now we have between Villa in fifth, of course, and United in sixth. I mean, just quickly, it's funny how United fans, how privileged they are when they complain about their season, and they're only sixth. But regardless of that, you'd think the sky was falling. But that four-point gap, and we kind of Mm. touched on this. I know I did it with Tom, and I know I did a few times with you as well, Simon, about how important these games leading up to December are going to be for Villa. Now you have that little bit of leeway there, and of course we're, what, I think only three points off top, I think, after City drew with Chelsea. So we're in kind of that top four realm to play with as well, Mm. but we have a little bit of comfort below us, so you'd have to say that that's going to be a, a, a massive thing heading into December, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's just the, the run of form that, that you're going into those sort of tougher games. You, you know, you, you've got that confidence and, and you know that you're able to take points off those teams. But yeah, the, the key thing is with obviously Newcastle and, and Tottenham losing uh, on Saturday, it was a, a an opportunity similar to the one that we had last week, which we didn't take advantage of, and, and this week they did. And you know, you kind of watching the uh, the first half of the City Chelsea game in, in the pub after the game, you sort of joking around, going, "Oh, it'd be you know, it'd be great if if Chelsea can can win this, you know, keep our title charge going." Which you know, it's all 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 well and good and fun and games, but you know, the kind of the fact that we've been watching that game. And not necessarily knowing what results that you want to come out of it is it's is ridiculous. And yeah, the sort of four point gap on Manu and a massive uh, goal difference in our favour swing on them. Five points on Newcastle and six on Brighton. You know that they're, they're the the real key things because at the start of the season, you're sort of looking at Newcastle and Brighton, thinking, okay, that's they're they're two teams that will definitely sort of be competing around. So to have that bit of a, a jump on them and, you know, Newcastle have got a lot of injuries at the moment. Brighton haven't won in the last six in the league now. You know, them two teams aren't really coping with the European schedule on top of the Premier League, whereas we're showing that we are with 
with a minimal amount of fuss as well. You know, Tottenham and Newcastle, obviously both lost on Saturday and all the talk is, uh, you know, get get your violins out people as well now. All the talk is about all the, the injuries, they're all being so depleted. As we've mentioned on the numerous occasions, we've got four first-team players that have been basically, well, three of them have been missing for the entire season. Ramsey had a 20-minute cameo against Brighton. Um, and and look where we are, you know, we, we've adapted and coped and are coping now with the European football as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's, we're in a very, very healthy position and sort of going into that December period where there's uh, a lot of games in there. And, and there's probably, there will be probably a couple of slip-ups in that, you know, it's, be asking an awful lot to, to suggest we'll go through the whole of December and beat them. But like you say, you've given yourself that bit of a safety cushion as well, that if there is one or two slip-ups, which you know are likely to happen, it hopefully won't have a major effect because it's likely that the teams below us will have one or two slip-ups in the busy schedule as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's fascinating to look at the table. Of course, like like we've touched on United uh, between United and Villa. Sorry, fifth and sixth. Uh, there's four points between Villa and Newcastle. There's five, six between Brighton, and uh, I think there's what? Let's see here, seven. Yeah, seven between. Or actually, no. Sorry, wow, I'm terrible at math. Eight between us and West Ham in ninth. So that's just kind of uh, yeah. That kind of well, I guess Chelsea would round out the top ten with sixteen. So then add another point onto there. It it's just it's mental to think about because you have to think for even your cities, Liverpool's, Arsenal's, Spurs, those teams we've mentioned previously below us, they're going to have struggles during the next month or so as well. It's not like they are missing these games and they have a light schedule. Everyone has to deal with it. Injuries will happen. Of course, the media makes a lot of, uh, in my opinion, makes a lot of excuses for the likes of Spurs and Newcastle right now in terms of injuries. And like you said so rightly there, Simon, I mean, we have four key ones. Of course, Moreno looks like he should be fine, which is fantastic. I I think that's probably music to Unai Emery's ears in terms of (laughs) left-back options, because let's be honest, if this kept up for much longer, I'd be seriously concerned with Luca Dean in terms of (laughs) fitness, potential to get an injury and just literally running him ragged. Uh, You look at Jacob Ramsey potentially coming back um, prior to Spurs, maybe just after Spurs as well, maybe the start of December by the time he finally gets some decent minutes. I mean, there's still two noticeable um, players out in terms of Buendia and Mings for the season, but I mean, all in all, bringing those back in, doing our own thing, it just... It's one of those signs that we have a good coach, isn't it? We're not really sitting here looking for excuses and looking for the media to bail us out. And I'm not really saying that pointing at any particular team, but you do see media outlets giving those teams a lot of excuses and kind of giving them a, a little bit more of a leeway compared to Villa. Like, for instance, today, I can't remember which paper it was. They were going on about how poor Newcastle essentially they just can't cope with it and blah, blah, blah. They'll invest more in January and they'll be fine. But their comment on Villa was, oh yeah, they're doing all right, but I don't like their high line. <laughs> like it just, it, it's <sighs> wild, isn't it? It's ridiculous. I mean, the, the sort of the, the sympathy that, that you talk about there with those other teams, their injuries, and then the comments on, oh, no, like the highlights. Me, it's just yet another example of sort of people outside of Villa Park clearly not paying attention to what yeah. we're doing and and, ha- and having not watched us. I mean, this high line obsession thing that seems to have come out, I really don't get it because like, it was really highlighted after the Forest game, which was so odd for me because that was 
probably the one thing defensively that we got right in that game because every single time they went forward, we caught them offside. It is risky, but we've been doing it for a year now, and you know, it. I would say it's been working <laughs> for us. Like it's it's ridiculous, but as I say, it's, it's the wide media for some reason still not really paying attention to, to what we're doing. I mean, part of me wonders if some of it, especially on Sky, is because, uh, you know, a lot of the people uh, in their studio there are, are mates with our former manager, aren't they? And it's maybe, you know, highlighting the, the job that and what's going on is it, just uh, another example of, of his failings. But do you know what? I, I don't really care. If they want to, they want to, you know, just to sort of dismiss us, you know, keep going. I mean, another ex- classic example of this is the idea that Douglas Louise could be off, you know, for what, 60 million or something and that he'll have to agitate for a move. So, like, it's just absolute nonsense. There's absolutely, not, unless someone comes in with like 100 odd million, 110, 120 million. And even then. There's, yeah. Like, there's just not a chance that he'd be going anywhere in January. And like, I'm sure he did an interview about maybe a month or so ago. You know, sort of saying he's you know, in the best form of his life. He's like absolutely delighted that that he's signed the deal. He's loving it. Which I I know you know when you're doing an interview for a club's reading channel, you're gonna sort of say those sort of things. But it's it's just it's just ridiculous. But as I say, it's just an example of people not really knowing what's going on. As if it's like oh. He's uh, he's playing well. He's got a few goals. He's in the Brazil squad. He must be probably wanting to leave Villa. Like the way things are going, I know obviously it's still only twelve games, but we're well, well, well in this Champions League race for this season. Like we we are firmly in this race now. Oh yeah, like there's. I know Unai Emery dismisses it, and of course he's mm. he's right to do so, and he's smart in doing that because he's taking a lot of pressure off of not only himself but of course the players too and like like you said I mean it's still early days and he knows that this is a marathon and not a sprint so he's not going to probably take that as a very serious objective until Mm -hmm. if we're still in this at the halfway point it'll switch massively and he'll admit that but until we get I think honestly if we once we get through December if we're still fifth or we've moved up higher or whatever it is yeah, you'll see the tone change a little bit more, but all in all, there's a lot of action to be played, and really, it, it is what it is at the end of the day. I mean, if Villa slipped down to eighth and we go on the cup journey, journey that we've been dreaming of for ages, then we'd still be happy. So, all in all, it is uh, happy days, so we really can't <laughs> complain. But to get back to this one, of course, like I said at the very start, um, we had a little bit of a wider context chat just uh-huh. this one, so hopefully everyone's um, enjoyed that. But of course, it was, like I said at the very beginning, uh, Villa 3, Fulham 1, of course, uh, to break down the goals, of course, Robinson got the old own goal for uh Fulham on the, in the 27th minute uh, apparently FPL thinks that um Diaby got a touch on that to give him an assist so I will take that cuz he's in my team so happy days there uh John McGinn of course just I mean we'll talk about him in just a moment ran the show scoring in the 42nd minute a lovely goal lots of power on it low and hard and I mean probably the best of the bunch of course Leon Bailey assisting Watkins just three players getting in on that and um that's probably as uh, sexual in nature as you'll see Villa score <laughs> Um, at the best of times. And of course, Raul Jimenez uh, for Fulham scoring in the 70th minutes. 
Uh, he hasn't scored for, I can't remember the stat. It was something mental, like 300 odd days or something like that. Of course, we help him out um, yeah. and getting the assist to uh, redeem his uh, own goal um, in the 27th minute. So it is what it is there. But I mean, Simon, let's talk about that man. Super John McGinn. I mean, this has to be the Super John McGinn Appreciation Society at this point, because what more do you say about the men? I think, and I mean, there's arguments and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more in detail when we get to the polls at the very end, because one of them is around him, but He's just probably one of the best value bargains we've ever had, I think. Oh, yeah. He, he, was, he was absolutely brilliant today. He's, sometimes, I mean, he's, he's for quite a while now since Emily's come in, he, he's played really, really well. But sometimes you get those games where you can see from like two or three minutes into it, um, yeah, McGinn's on one today, he's feeling it, and, and he really was. And I, I think like Fulham, they seem to sort of take it in turns to keep fouling him in that first half. And you kind of, like me and uh, mate who, who we stood with, sort of turned to each other and went, they've, they've picked the wrong player to, to try this tactic on because all that's going to do is just fire him up even more. And, um, you know, he, he uses sort of one of those typical John McGinn performances where he's sort of all action. But it's his quality on the ball as well, you know, some of the passes he picks out. And then that goal, was, that was such a good goal. You know, it's it's quite tempting in that position to sort of just put your laces through it. Um, you know, just a sort of little little touch to get away from a defender who sold himself far too easily. But then such a lovely finish into that bottom corner, and yeah, I thought he was he was brilliant, and obviously he was involved in the third goal as well. It was a uh, yeah, it was, it was a proper good John McGinn performance today, and like to to, to go on to the point about the sort of value for money. You you'd be struggling to to think of others. I mean, off the top of my head, you'd probably say Paul McGrath because I think he was I think some like maybe eight or nine hundred thousand. What would I'm that not... be in today's value though? That's what makes yeah. me when people say that. I think like it'd probably be pretty close, if not more. Yeah, I mean, so around that time, this is like eighty nine. I think he came so. If, you know, you, you sort of there's not there's weren't many transfers more than a million at that time. So like in terms of like world record transfers, so you'd probably be a decent amount of money, but it's, it's it's difficult to compare from sort of that long ago. Whereas, you know, you begin sort of obviously what five years ago, just over five years he came. Mm. So it's sort of relatively recent. And what two point two five million? Absolutely ridiculous value for money. Absolutely. And how much did you say McGraw was? I have a calculator open, so I'm doing some I calculations. I think, I, I mean, this I could be completely wrong here, but for some reason, I've got a figure of around eight or 900,000 in my head. Okay. So let's say 900, just to high end it. So in 2018, it's saying that would have been equivalent of basically, and this is probably in dollars as well. So it's saying um, 1.8 million. So, I mean, keep that in mind. I don't know if I can switch it, but. I mean, it does put some context on it. And maybe if I even increase that today, then you're almost looking at that 2.5. I think it's at two, almost 2.3. So, I mean, mm. they are pretty close. And I, I think a lot of people, and I'll, I'll get on to that um, with the polls we did put up as well, because some people did say the likes of Dwight York um, a lot with yeah. McGraw as well. Um, there has to be more context behind it. And I know a lot of people did mention that um, we can only really maybe assess that at the end of McGinn's Villa career, which is fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is worth a discussion. I mean, even on this performance today, he made 
Jao Polina look like mm. a question mark as to why Bayern Munich even ever <laughs> wanted him. Uh, just drawing fouls, running that midfield. Uh, like, I knew there was a lot of questions with him last season, of course, when he took the captaincy for Mings, and a lot of people were wondering what was going to go on there. And then the early struggle, struggles under Gerard just it wasn't kind of clicking with the captaincy role and then kind of on the pitch performances. But I mean, everything lately, Simon, it's all coming up John McGinn, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's something that we've kind of touched on before as well in that um, sort of where he was being asked to play and what he was being asked to do uh, under Gerard's just You could clearly see it didn't suit his game and, you know, the, the way the whole team was set up it was, was quite baffling at, at times, really. Um, but it's you know whatever he's done done with him and, and so many others. As, as I say, in terms of like he's there's the sort of base level of performance you get from McGinn, which is you know the sort of all action um, get stuck in. He's always involved in the games, which is like obviously a brilliant trait to have. But it's, it's his ability on the ball that that has improved so much. I, he was always a good player. I'll be honest, I I didn't think he necessarily had this level of performance in him that, that we've had it over a consistent basis. Like I kind of thought maybe 18 months, two years ago, you, you, I sort of looked at him and thought, you know, good Premier League player, maybe could play for a team that would finish around sort of eighth, ninth, you know, and be you know, sort of stand out there. But I, I didn't necessarily think he had that that ability on the ball that you need and sort of decision-making and passing in that final third to sort of elevate yourself into a top five or six team. But his his uh, technical ability, especially over the last sort of six months or so, has, has increased so much. And sort of the goal, in a way, typifies that as well. I mean, you, you do still get that odd laces that, that McGinn will have. Normally, when he's much further out. <laughs> but, um, you know, the the technical ability to sort of bring the ball down, get get away from the defender and sort of a shift into that space and then sort of side foot it but with quite a bit of power as well into that bottom corner. Um, yeah, he's, he's just brilliant. And he's, he's become a vital player I mean he always was an important player but even when like Emery first came in those first few months you wouldn't necessarily say and you know this is also on the back of him having not had a great time for a while but you, you wouldn't have looked at him 12 months ago and thought you absolutely have to have John McGinn starting every single game whereas absolutely. you kind of look now and, and you think him with along with you know a number of players in there when they're in that team and they're on form, everything just clicks. Oh, 100%. And the thing I love about it, and maybe it doesn't completely correlate, but I always think of when Villa first came back into the Premier League, how fearless John McGinn was in attack. Of course, he scored against Spurs in the opening weekend. And before that injury, he just looked like he'd potentially be one of our most attacking, um, threatful players in terms of actually scoring pre-injury. Seems like it's taken ages, but we're seeing that again and mm. to an even more remarkable amount. Of course, he's already surpassed any goal total he's had with Villa in a season, which is brilliant because literally we're only in like almost mid-November. So he could probably easily double that at this rate, if not triple it, it feels like. But How many is he on at the moment? 
I'm not too sure, to be honest. I feel Uh, like, let's have a look. yes, let's have a look, because apparently we don't do that before. He's <laughs> got <laughs> five. Five, okay. Five for the season. I thought yeah. it was six, so that would have been close enough. Yeah. But yeah, I think previously maybe it was three or something he's had in a season. It was something yeah. below. To be honest, the way this season's going, I could see him with at least nine. And that's not I mean, in... it, I, I think he should be looking minimum double figures for, for this season. Five at, at this stage and, you know, hoping there'll be more games as well with, you know, hopefully an extended European run. He, with his position on the pitch and the way he's, you know, he's much more involved in that attacking third, he should, he should definitely be looking for double figures. Oh, absolutely. And it, like I was saying before, it's, he would, he like McGinn's never been afraid to have a go and take a shot. You can tell he's just being so much more calculated with the chances he makes, and he's holding mm. on to that ball for that extra second that maybe before he didn't. And I mean, I think you have to attribute that to Una Amorini, the coaching staff as well, and they've made that clearly evident. I don't know. It, I mean, we could say it a million times. A lot of things have really stuck with Emery in charge, and the players just get it, and it's. It's a beautiful thing to see. The other thing I didn't even realize is begins twenty nine. For some reason, I always I I know he's older than twenty five, but I always picture him as a twenty five yeah. year old. So he's only slightly older than me, which I don't know. I don't like getting to that to that yeah. age because short story. Um, if you've ever played like a FIFA like pro club or like player career mode offline or something like that, you have to set the age as your player. So I was like, oh, for some reason, I thought 1994, that's still pretty young. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's 28 <laughs> or 29. So the youngest you could go was like in the 2000s. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm officially old. <laughs> so it is what it is. All of Father Time catches up to us quicker it than does. others. Um, Simon can attest to that, um, <laughs> of course. So there's one dig to Simon already but i mean all in all let's get over to your tillemans of course he did of course start his first i think this is his first premier league game yep. with villa uh back-to-back starts for him of course previously uh thursday against az alkmaar i mean it was well deserved simon wasn't it in my mind with the way that zaniolo's kind of been in and out of four massively you don't really know what you get with leon bailey when you start him you almost want to start zaniolo and bailey off the bench I mean, really, all in all, though, Tillemans, it, it's rightly deserved. Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised. I I thought Bailey would have started myself um, just because I, I don't really see Tillemans as that sort of winger in, in, you know, in the way that we play wingers, if you like. Um, I didn't necessarily see him sort of starting in that position. So I, I, I was a little surprised, but... Um, see him on 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 the team sheet at the start, but it, it was yeah well deserved. Like you know, it wasn't something that I was I was annoyed about when I saw. And and I thought he played I thought he played really well today actually. Um, you know, a couple of times showed a, a decent burst of pace, which I didn't necessarily think that he had. Um, I think he did that on Thursday night as well, chasing back uh, to someone in their counter attack. So you know, he he, he can shift uh, when he needs to, and, but he's. I just think he's a really tidy player on the ball. And I, th- I think from that Everton Cup game where, you know, he wasn't great. There's no point trying to dress him up. But there was, a, you know, a, an overreaction, which unfortunately happens with, with football fans, especially with, uh, from social media. And, you know, there's a lot of people sort of saying, oh, you know, just get rid of him. He's not good enough. And you're like, 
him. Like, he's he's a really really talented footballer, and I think since then he's he's done well. You know, he's he started um, most of the European games, if not all of them, and he's got better. I think with each one that's gone on. Um, when he's and when he's come on in uh, in the league, I, I think he, he's done reasonably well. But you could see today uh, there were times where he showed good strength and you know nice footwork to sort of get away from a couple of players when when he could have lost the ball and sort of recycling it quite well. And as I, said, I don't I don't necessarily think long term you could have him sort of in that winger position because obviously with Ramsey coming back, you know you, you'd expect that to happen. But when he is in the team, you've got got him, Kamara, and Louise all in all in that team. And with beginning there as well, actually, you're going to be controlling the ball a lot in midfield, which especially first half of the day we, we did really well. But no, I was I was impressed with him today. I thought he did well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like I said, I think the start was well deserved. And I mean, you're very right with saying it's almost underrated pace. He doesn't look quick, but I can think of two or three instances where he caught the incoming Fulham defender, whoever was covering at the time, he spun them and they couldn't even handle it. And they just pulled them back mm. for a foul every single time. That was, I mean, I think that literally happened at one nil, two nil and three nil and three, one as well. So maybe there was four times. And I, I think again, he's one of those players that he's not super quick, but he just, the way that his, he's able to move his body kind of with the ball as well. It's so underrated. Mm. And I, I think, like we've kind of previously mentioned before, those comments from when he wasn't getting minutes were probably so out of context. And you yeah. rightly said that, Simon. I mean, this is the Yuri Tillemans that we all were raving about. That was such a smart free transfer. Yeah. And I, I think this is the Yuri Tillemans we get, God forbid, nothing happens injury-wise, probably for <laughs> the rest of the season. Because, I mean, what he adds in terms of considering that we don't even have Ramsey back to play off the left. We didn't have to start Zaniola. We didn't start Leon Bailey. And you can play McGinn and Tillemans, of course, with Diaby kind of filling the center wherever he needs to because he has the pace. I mean, you look at McGinn, you look at Tillemans, you wouldn't say they're blessed with tons of pace. Mm. But again, like we've said, they're so underrated with their movement that it just, I mean, it's a scary thing to think how good Villa are. And that's really what I'm getting at. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the beginning, Tiedemann, she's right there. They're not like a, a DRB or Watkins or a Bailey in that, you know, they can, when they go, you, you're not getting them because you just raw pace. What them two have, and, and I think Kamara and Louise have it as well, although I think Louise has got a bit of 
more pace battle than the other three. It's all four of them. So like you say, the 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 way they can manipulate and shift their body so quickly and, and turn away from people, when when they do that as a defender, because you're not expecting the movement like that, it, they've got half a yard and then they're away from you and, and it's just so hard to, to get them back. You know, it's it's sort of cleverly using short bursts of pace along with a, a clever little turn. And all of a sudden you go from half a yard of space to sort of four or five yards around you. And, and because because the movements of the midfield players and the forward players is so good as well, that there's always an option for a pass for a player in space as well. So they're already getting the ball you know, nine times out of ten uh, where they've got space to sort of turn and, and work out what they're doing. So, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's difficult not, not to get excited, isn't it? Well, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that we were thinking like, oh my God, like, and I mean, I, I love mentioning these players and I thank them for what they did for Villa, but we'd be like, oh, we've got to bring in Algazi or Trezeguet. They're <laughs> like, yeah, those are the things we were relying on. And it's like, it's so much nicer to have really good toys that are high quality, <laughs> hopefully um, have a, a long shelf life as well. But I mean, there was an interesting stat here. And then I'll ask you a question, Simon. Of course, this is from AVFC Stato on Twitter. Um, he says, John McGinn won 15 duels uh, during Aston Villa's win against Fulham today. Five more than any other Villa player has won in a single Premier League game this season. Now, here's the here's kind of the quiz question. Here is the most left-footed Premier League goals scored for Aston Villa. Of course, Gareth Barry has... 32 left-footed goals in the Premier League for Villa. Gabby has 25. Um, let's see here. Where do you think between Gareth Barry in first, Gabby in second, um, Salo Milosevic in third, and then Darius Vassell in fourth? You also have Steve Staunton there, Ollie Watkins, and of course, John McGinn. Where does John McGinn fall in that? Um... I'd thought it'd been relatively low because I don't think he's got a load of Premier League goals. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he's above at least one of those players that you mentioned. Actually, he just joined them. So he is on 11. So he's tied with Steve Stone and Ollie Watkins. But I mean, considering the goal output, it is actually pretty impressive. Yeah. It's an easy quiz. I didn't want to make it very difficult <laughs> and long and laborsome. But I mean, it's impressive considering his goal tally prior to the season, wasn't very high. Oh, and you gotcha. have to consider how many of those being left-footed. I mean, it is a good option to have as well because there aren't many players that are willing to score that many goals these days with their <laughs> left foot, unless they're naturally left-footed, of course. Yeah, which, to be fair, he is. So Yes, you exactly. know, um, but No, I mean, yeah, as you say, because I think he's, when he scored against Chelsea last season, Pretty sure that was his first goal in some like eighteen months or something. Like it, yeah. it, was, it was a really long time. So you know, since then he's he's you know obviously gone on a bit of run and you know this season five goals already. Um, and you know, some of them like quite vital goals as well. Obviously from the the Mossel one in particular sort of springs to mind. But he's uh, yeah he's, he's getting into the box a lot more than, than he ever did before. Um, and he's, I mean he he. I think he should be getting double figures because he's got the technical ability and he's he's regularly sort of in and around there. Um, so I think a player of his quality should be getting at least double figures in this team. I mean, the amount of goals his team score as well, you know, he, he should be right up there. Well, yeah, like I said at the very start, within that 13-game winning streak at home um, in the league, 
37 goals within 13 games. That's mm. I mean, of course, there's a there's a 4-1 West Ham, a 6-1 Brighton, and a few other good shellackings as well. But I mean, it, it does put into context that there is goals within this side, which I mean, it is kind of funny when you think about it, because there's actually a number of these players, even within the last probably pre-Emery, where we were saying, oh, we need to ship half them off. Uh-huh. They're, they're not going to be good enough to take that next step. A lot of people were saying that. I won't say we did, just so we don't put ourselves under the bus um, and make us look a little bit more knowledgeable, of course. But it, it's it, it's mental to think that Emery's getting the goal contributions out of some of these players that some people just never really expected John to get included. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's, it's all the way that, that we're set up and sort of the way that we play the game as well with, with having that control I mean you know you, you think in the summer when when we still had Archer you know pretty much everyone uh, I think you know us on here included was, was probably saying you know we probably could still do with another striker and then when Archer was sold everyone was kind of scratching their heads thinking oh cause you relying on Watkins an awful lot which you know, I, I I do still kind of understand the some of the sentiment behind that, but the six home wins this season that we've had in the league, we've scored at least three goals in all six of them. So, you know, it's there's goals in all over this team. So maybe it's not so vital that I, I think the only thing is obviously you, you, you're hoping you'd want someone in because there's always the fear, you know, if Watkins got a big injury or something. Believe in them. You you kind of think that for him to get a big injury, it'd have to be like a really unlucky thing. You know, he's not someone who's going to get like a niggly hamstring. It's something like, I think something like the last five or six seasons, he's only missed something like four or five games through injury. Like he's ridiculously durable. So yeah, just long may this all continue. Absolutely. Now, I mean, here's one, Simon. It's the dreaded international break next, so we have nothing Villa-related to discuss. But do you think it actually... I mean, this is a very stereotypical question, regardless if we would have won or lost. This would have been posed probably slightly differently. But do you think it comes at a good time, considering gives maybe Moreno a little bit more time to get back to peak fitness? Ramsey, of course, doesn't miss out on any more games. Hopefully he at least gets back on the bench uh, with Spurs uh, next when we come back from the break. What do you kind of make of it? Yeah, I think it it does in 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 one way because I mean we have we have played a lot of games, um, you know, in in between the last break and and this one and the sort of two breaks before we we've had a lot of football and you know quite a bit of travelling as well. So I, I think in in the one sense you, you always kind of think, especially after a win, oh, you know, let's keep the momentum going. But it, it might do them good, just to, certainly the ones who aren't going off on international duty, you know, might maybe get a couple of days off. And like you say, especially with Moreno as well, two more weeks of sort of full training. I'm, I'm sure there'll be one or two sort of practice behind closed doors games that they'll be arranged to sort of try and build up some match fitness. It gives Ramsey that bit more time as well. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, it's, it's not one that I think. You know, there's, there's been sort of international breaks in the past where you're like, oh god, this this is a bit annoying because we're on a real roll. And obviously, we are doing really good, but it's you know, I think it's probably a decent time just sort of take stock as well, refresh and and gives kind of a, a bit of time to sort of prepare for the the schedule of games that are coming up. You know, um, not necessarily on 
on the training pitch thinking about games beyond Tottenham because I'm sure it, you know everything would just all be focused on that but from the sort of the coaching side of things it gives them quite a lot of time to really sort of look at all the teams coming up and you know really do their analysis on them so that when it comes to the sort of few days training before those games they've already got their plans in place for what to do yeah absolutely and there's 10 games that will have to play between november 26th and december 30th it, it, it is a lot like you sit back and you look at it i mean come back against spurs and there's warsaw like that warsaw game is massive in terms of mm. hopefully skipping that knockout round because really villa do not need two more games <laughs> because literally as soon as december's over you got a break um, and then I think what we have Everton, then another break for the FA Cup, I think. And then yeah. we would have, um, of course, I think in February, the knockout round would start for the round of 32 or whatever they actually call that round before the round of 16 for the conference. Like it's named slightly different um, that I addressed the other day on the podcast. But it's just a lot of games, a lot of things to manage. And I think it really probably does in terms of fitness, because if you think about it, add another game next week um or how many others really to add in probably could do with a break and hopefully everyone now just comes back fit and firing and in shape and the likes of the south americans um, (laughs) don't uh, come back late or have any issues because that's probably the last thing we need but regardless of that simon let's get over to the three word reviews on twitter because we might as well do that now there's plenty of them so thank you all who got involved you can tweet us at 7500 to hold post match usually goes out around five to ten minutes after the final whistle um i mean the first one come up it comes up now um that's i had a good chuckle ad in our very own sebastian bacon i actually put this one in it's a three-word review saying simon is bald so there you go simon i did tell you something was coming that is coming um let's see jazz sing with a gif saying super john mcginn um tom says i love meatball um stackabo says let's keep pushing um there's a lot of super john mcginn's now it's really hard to differentiate uh the villain says winning the league uh mr underscore fit says bring on city i love that mentality Hmm. barnhurst on we go um retro villa has um a clip of a song i'm scared if i play it it's gonna blast through here so i think it's something about like us feeling good or something i listened to it earlier but i actually forget the three words it said so i'll just give him bonus points for my neglect in forgetful brain um richard edwards says um let's see a two word saying deadly trio and then a a three word the holy trinity uh toby brooms is very good indeed uh colin sampson unai emery masterclass uh the north stand mcginn konza tillemans um simon says utv says super john mcginn again Graham says Unai is king. Uh, Aston Villa fan says Guinea, or yeah, Guinea is God. Um, let's see here. 90s villain at 13th home win. There's a lot of good individual ones for this one. So that's why I'm reading out so many. Um, let's see here. Uh, Bono says, what is offsides? Um, this isn't a three-word review. They basically put take that as one word. So I'll just let it happen because Villa won. Uh, Joe Martini, take that Tom Kearney. Um, hmm. Let's go to, let's do three more. Uh, Patty B, the dog's bollocks. Um, let's see here. Wayne Mills back on track. And let's finish with Simon Palmer in the best way possible. Unai Ball continues. So Simon, what is your three-word review? It's, uh, it's, it's what I said right at the top of the podcast, business as usual. 
Fair enough. I'm going to go with bring on Spurs because I'm that confident. Um, mm. They're missing a lot of key players. They are, yeah. But we never know what Villa. Does that mean Son somehow still gets a hat trick? We'll have to wait and see. Um, that is an old skeptical Villa fan thinking that way. We shouldn't think that way anymore. But all in all, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um, I mean, mid of the match, match balls. Uh, it's going to be John McGinn, isn't it? There's not really any arguments yeah. or kind of other nominations we even have to think about, is it? Nah, yeah, it's definitely McGinn. And, I mean, like Tiedemann, as we sort of talked about earlier, had, had a really good game, but yeah, there's, there's, there's no way that he's, he's not going to go to McGinn. Do you think, is there an argument that's his best ever game in a Villa shirt? Oh, no. I, I, I think the Newcastle game at home last season probably... Yeah, I, yeah, the Newcastle game because you've got to sort of take into context well the opposition that you're playing against. I mean, Fulham, especially that first half, were absolutely dreadful. But uh, yeah, no, it was a very, very good performance. But I, I think I think he's had a few better than that. Yeah, I do agree. I just wanted to see if you could come out with a better argument, <laughs> but fair enough. I mean, there's there's really no need to have a um, a big argument on that one because really there's nothing um, to get sour about. Um, let's get over to, of course, a, a newer segment we've been doing for the last few weeks on our uh, Sunday recordings or Monday shows and when they go out. Of course, uh, the Villa Lonies. I don't really have a, um, a a title for this yet, so I'll have to be creative over the next little bit of the international break to actually come up with a nice title for this or maybe a voice clip or something that plays and makes us look a little bit more professional but of course <laughs> to get over to that of course Kane Kessler Hayden and Finizaz both played roughly around 75 minutes and both were replaced in the second half as Plymouth lost 2-1 to Leeds um, I bet on Leeds was very happy but very annoyed because in my sixfold Portsmouth were winning until the last minute and let me down of $70. So Portsmouth, I hate you. Um, Seb Revan, of course, played 52 minutes and started as Rotherham were comfortably beaten 5-0 by Watford. Uh, moving on, of course, Lamar Borgard played 90 minutes um, for Bristol Rovers, starting in a 1-0 win over Carlisle United. Of course, Sinisalo played 90 minutes in goal for Exeter and during a disappointing three nil defeat away at Fleetwood as well. And of course, another notable Louis Berry is still out through injury for Stockport and Chizoma Foka was not selected. Of course, uh, Bradford lost. So yeah, that makes kind of sense there. <laughs> and Stockport won, which I did have them in there. I saw they were losing two, one very upset. And then they won four, two. So yeah, um, screw you, sportsman. <laughs> That's all I can really say. This is why I don't bet. I get very mad <laughs> and I, I take it very personally. But anyways, let's get over to the polls, which is like my new favorite segment because I love how many people actually get involved and in, especially with the unserious question um, that I pose at the end. So we had three for this one. The first one we asked, of course, at 2.5 million pounds of a transfer fee is John McGinn, Astonville's biggest bargain ever. Um, 303 people got involved for this one. So thank you. I only put it up for a couple hours. And I know after post-match, people don't always go directly on Twitter. Maybe they do for a few minutes and then kind of bugger off for the rest of the night until the next day to um, reflect on things a bit more. But 90.1% said yes. 9.9% said no. There's more context to this because a lot of people, um, the likes of Steven said York for 20K. Uh, Bernard said maybe, but York and Platy were less, even alive for inflation. 
Um, how much was God in gray? Also, uh, Gaz says I like McGinn, but if you're looking at the best bargain, then in my opinion, it's Paul McGraw. He cost us peanuts and went on to become a legend and won silverware with the Villa. Uh, the villain says York. Uh, let's see, we got McGrath, York. Um, another one that says York. Um, Chris Smith also says also Kamara, even though he was on bigger wages, but came in for a free. Wayne says Kamara. Um, I don't know. I can't really put Kamara hmm. in that, in my opinion, because if he's really only been here for a short period of time. So how can you say yeah. that versus um, again, uh, someone also says who was I Aunt Moss says Gareth Barry arrived for next to nothing from Brighton. They were all bargains, including McGraw and York, um, but he thinks Barry takes the uh, top of the cake for him. I mean, where does that sit with you, Simon? I know we briefly already touched on it, but I, I'd imagine you'd probably say York or McGraw with your experienced head on, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I think you'd have to, to go with one of them too. And I think and Barry's a decent shout, but you know, we didn't win and he never won anything with us. Um I suppose if you wanted to sort of help out your argument with the beginning from the question, York and McGrath were before the Premier League. Now obviously I know football did was around before the Premier League. Not that you know that the way some fans and pundits talk, but I think if if you if that question was framed in the Premier League era, then I think you'd probably I mean I suppose Barry you'd say you'd probably have to still nick it, but if we win something this season, then I think McGinn would be a good shout for that. And Martin Larson could be a good shout as well. I think he's three million and Melberg, I think it was only four or five million. Um so you know there's there's a few around, but I think McGinn you can definitely make a solid case for him and, and can you know can be involved in in that discussion well when he's sitting on 15 goals at the end of april we'll revisit this and we'll repost yeah. and see how people think um let's go to question number two so between november 26th and december 30th bill will play eight league matches um i didn't put this part in it but of course that includes some big hitters like the likes of Arsenal City. Um, you do have United in there because they still consider themselves one. Brentford's always tricky, of course. Um, you have Burnley, Sheffield United too. Um, and of course, you have Bournemouth and then Warsaw Zerinsky as well in terms of European uh, Cup ties, but eight in the league. So where do you think... Villa will be sitting in the table after those eight league matches. So we had options of first to fourth, fifth to seventh, eighth to tenth, and bottom half. 14.9 said first to fourth, which, I mean, that's a very good number, to be <laughs> honest. I, I do like that confidence, because if I would have said that two years ago, it would have been like 0.1%. <laughs> uh, between fifth and seventh, one was 78.2%. Eight to tenth got a measly 6.4, and a very negative 0.5 said bottom half. Um, which I think would take an absolute collapse, but or collapse. I don't know what a collapse is. But uh, Simon, where do you think Villa are going to sit come the end of December? So I I went for fifth to seventh on that. Oh, you um, did vote. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, you for your contribution. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a tough one. It's I I don't think we'll be in the the eighth to tenth or you know bottom ten. I, I don't think we'll be in there. I, it's not it's it's nowhere near beyond the realm's possibility that we could be in the top four. Um it'll be tricky. So I, I think it's more likely fifth to seventh, but I wouldn't be shocked if we were in, in that top four. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. 
if we somehow get positive results, whether that be like a draw and a win, or I mean, I can't see us beating both City and Arsenal, I'll be completely honest, even if I was the most deluded Villa <laughs> fan, but if we got a win and a draw out of those two games and had a decent December, I'm saying top four. Because, yeah. I, I mean, at that point, you have to write us in like Leicester City. They, they can't do it, can they? Um, yeah. I mean, Christ, we could win the league and they'd still say that was a better story than ours. So, we still <laughs> the credit. I mean, it, it, it kind of is, but all in all. Yeah. Course, <laughs> um, just give Villa some credit, media people. It's just we, we just want a little bit. Don't talk about our players leaving us. <laughs> um, just talk about how good they are and then we can leave it at that. And of course... The most serious question out of all three, what is the best condiment? Um, your options were ketchup, yellow mustard, mayonnaise, and relish. Simon, what is the best condiment to you? See, what I think is the best it wasn't included on, on that list. Um, so out of that list, I'd go ketchup, but uh, there's there's a couple that I'd have above that. What's that? Barbecue sauce and chili sauce. Okay, I, I would say barbecue sauce. I'm not a big chili sauce person. I'm not a spicy person. I don't have much uh, threshold uh, for it. That's probably why you don't have enough hair. But anyways. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm a vindaloo guy when it comes to curry. Never had vindaloo. I don't think you would like it, Cole. No, probably not. I'd probably <laughs> die to be honest, because I have very few spicy options, and when I do, I do love a few of them but I'm drinking so much water that I probably have to go to the bathroom 10 times in between the meal. <laughs> of course, ketchup got 41.2%. It's just, it has to, it's like the most versatile thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say mayo is pretty versatile as well. Uh, mayo got 36.8, yellow mustard got 20.6 and a measly 1.5% of people said relish. Um, I just threw that in there because I was kind of hungry and thinking of what do you put on, on a burger, to be honest, <laughs> um, which will probably be my dinner tonight. So hopefully I don't get in trouble for eating out but regardless of that hopefully the missus didn't hear it of course the last thing i did want to bring up briefly because of course it was a villa double today and that was in the wsl as the villa women finally got off the board and two nil win over uh bottom dwellers i can't really say bottom dwellers because they're literally <laughs> they're, they're literally tied with them um and only beating them on gold difference uh bristol city of course i mean it's really harsh to say that Villa women aren't doing well, Simon, when they had probably the hardest run in you could ever have starting hmm. a season. But I mean, just quickly, it is a little bit of disappointing because they did run a lot of these teams close, but this season they just haven't ran any of those traditional really top four teams you consider in the WSL really close at all, have they? Um, certain, certain games, they definitely haven't. I mean, the first two against uh, Man U and, and Arsenal, it was uh, both of them lost 2-1 with stoppage time goals. I mean, I think yes. the Arsenal one, I think they were 1-0 up going into stoppage time. So maybe the, the way that they lost those open two games sort of knocked them a bit. Um, so I think, have they played Man City in this run? I know I Chelsea gave them the spanking. So. I don't think they have, no. Because so, they got four points against City last season. But I mean, Chelsea right. gave them an absolute battering. Um, and I think there was a, I don't know if it was, it might have been Tottenham. I think they they were we were winning and they ended up losing quite heavily again in that game. So yeah, bit bit of a surprise at, at at the start, but hopefully you know they won. I think in the cup during the week, um, obviously the first league win as well. So hopefully that will sort of kickstart them. And Kenza Darley's back fully fit now. I think so. You know her her and Rachel Daly's relationship was brilliant last season. So hopefully we'll we'll kick on and sort of shoot up that league again. 
Yeah, I think it's one of those things that they made some good additions in the offseason. And I don't know. I don't know if you get this feeling too, Simon. But sometimes when you bring in such talented players from where else and you have such a collective pot of talent, sometimes, I mean, I'm not, compa- I mean, this isn't comparing Villa of 2015, 16, but <laughs> a lot of us at that time were thinking, oh, we're bringing some really young talent here. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't blend and it became the ultimate mess. I'm not saying this will be. But it is yeah. true that sometimes when you have a really good, talented group of players, they just it doesn't mesh. And I mean, the proof will be in the pudding. Maybe give it to like January in this instance yeah. because they do have a winnable run of fixtures. But for me, I look at that six nil loss to Chelsea, and I know it's Chelsea, and they're literally up there every single year. If they're not winning something, it's almost a shocker. But a six nil, I just kind of expected a little bit more. I know Villa are lose losing a, a few players at that time the Spurs loss I wasn't really pleased with because of course I think they beat them oh, did they do the double from last season or something In like that. Um, and of course Liverpool to be fair have only recently come up they were having a decent start to life but that 2-0 loss in early October doesn't really bode well but I mean like we've said of course they beat uh, Sheffield United in the cup 5-0 they beat Bristol City very comfortably 2-0 today uh, they have West Ham next they got uh, Blackburn in the cup again, then Everton, then they have City, but they have a chance for three more winnable games. Then you're five mm. on the bounce, potentially, if all things go well. So you would probably back them to really turn things around and probably be sitting somewhere around mid-table by then, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd, I'd expect so. You know, there's some really, really good players in there. And, you know, Rachel Daly, you've always got, you know, it's, it's a guarantee of goals in there. And I say, I think we've, Kenzie Darley being back I'll fully fit I think that's going to make a, a huge difference and you know sometimes I mean, that, that, that's 6-0 yeah it's, it's quite jarring but you know if you look at the, the men's team you know, got, got pumped five at Newcastle on the opening day you, you know sometimes you just have one of those days where just everything goes wrong it's 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 how you sort of react to, to that and there's, there's some really good players in there and Carla Ward's an excellent manager as well so uh, I've gotten no sort of worries that you know it's going to be a disaster of a season or something. I, I think they'll they'll get into their flow now. Yeah, the the one thing I I know like in terms of longevity, like the Villa women's compared to the men's team, like the history is is nothing when you compare longevity. But I I love how if the Villa men's team is doing poorly, it's like oh this is shit, this is shit, blah blah blah, and it's so negative. And I and then sometimes I like to read the Villa women's content because when they're getting pumped pump like six 0 against Chelsea, it's like it's okay, ladies, you'll do better. <laughs> and it's like, why can't we have this the same way? It's so nice yeah. and friendly over there. <laughs> I, I don't really understand why. Very different uh, sort of mindset, I think. Yeah, well, but... I mean, Grealish did have female like hair at one point, so <laughs> I, I I don't know how much more you want from the, the men's side. But all in all, I think we'll stop things there because I don't know what I'm going on about at this point. But of course, thank you very much to Mr. Simon O'Regan for joining me. As always, you can find him on Twitter at Cy O'Regan. You can tweet me at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 Holt. If you want anything read out on the podcast, email us Holtcast at gmail.com and if you want any written content of yours included on the site whether it be opinions um 
something Villa related, at least that's appropriate. Um, there's been some interesting entries that we haven't been able to put out just because uh, either the written quality or something was a little iffy. Of course, you can email us at 7500holtmain at gmail.com. Uh, we should hopefully, I'm hoping, be back for a match preview uh, pre-Spurs. We'll have to wait and see if that happens and if we can uh, get Seb to get off one of his long benders since he started university um hopefully that does happen but all in all if not we'll be back post-match hopefully after another villa win an away win more happy days more villa hopefully in the top well i guess we would be in the top four at that point if we beat spurs but all in all we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa We're going up.